Hey, what's going on? This is uh, Jeremy Thone, Marketing Director of 3PL Systems and host of 3PL Live. Excited to share an interview with Tommy Igu and Evan Bissonette over at Stratus Grid. We talk about MSPs, managed service providers, and moving from on-premise applications to AWS. And then also, if you're looking at integrating any sort of system into your transportation management software, or CRM, we talk about that as well, and using an MSP to actually get that done. Hope you enjoy. I'd love for both of you guys to just introduce yourself, Stratus Grid, what you guys are up to. Awesome. Well, yeah, so I'm, I'm Tommy Igo. I'm the sales manager here at Stratus Grid. We've been working with third-party logistics companies and really everyone in the transportation and logistics industry to get a better handle of their foundational IT all the way through fully partnership, uh, fully integrated partnerships, through cloud migration, application development, things like that. So really soup to nuts, all IT problems can be solved with the Stratus Grid. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm Evan Bissonette. I'm the Director of Sales and Marketing here. Among, you know, among other industries, transportation and logistics is very important to us. We're in Chattanooga, Tennessee, right? So we're, we're surrounded by a lot of 3PLs and other trucking companies. We're just down the street from FreightWaves, right? There's a lot of opportunity for us to plug in literally in person from a safe distance, right? And get to know kind of the pain points of the industry. We're really focused on, you know, having these conversations. I really appreciate you kind of giving us this platform. It really gives us an opportunity to do some additional market research, right? We don't have to, it's not a matter of going out and, and just uh, cold calling all the time. We can actually gather useful information and, and confirm some of our assumptions and also, you know, maybe change and pivot directions uh, if we hear something different as well. Makes sense. It seems like the more people I talk to, the more I learn and learn about all the trends kind of going on in the industry. And I know we wanted to talk a little bit about security integration and automation, What's your guys' thoughts right now, I guess, like a high level on like what security looks like in, in, I guess, systems that you see out there in the transportation world? And what do you, what do you guys think you guys have to offer along with like, what, what do you, any sort of changes that you see or any trends or? Yeah. So we talked to a lot of uh, 3PLs, obviously, and, and other people in this particular industry that still are working from home, for example, right? Or they might have a little bit less office presence than they normally would have. And so what we have noticed, even in, in more recent conversations, we've noticed there are some people that we're talking to that are, they're not really treating the work from home as, as sort of an extension of their office, right? It's like they don't have a choice because of the situation that we're in as a society, uh, but to have people work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what happens is some of the ones we're talking to, especially the small to medium-sized ones, right? They're not necessarily currently equipped to support it from a secure network standpoint, right? A lot of times they're working from home on their own internet connections, which in Chattanooga, we've got really fast internet. And, and from a performance standpoint, it's it's probably not bad, right? They're probably still able to do everything they need to do. But from a potential security standpoint, there could be some issues, right? Because mm-hmm. they don't have to VPN to do their work if a lot of their applications are, are cloud applications, right? Software as a service type applications, which obviously is very common. Sure. There's that IT infrastructure piece that that might not be fully spread out to all the people that are working distributed. We certainly see that. And we certainly talk to people who are looking to solve that as a potential business low-hanging fruit, if you will. I think we're also seeing that in more remote areas, there are internet issues, right? Where the connectivity is not as good as it is, say, in Chattanooga. And that presents additional issues, right? With people trying to access applications that require good internet bandwidth. And, and the more that people are investing in these 
SaaS applications, obviously, the more that uh, it taxes their bandwidth, right? Sure. So, you know, we're certainly seeing that. Generally speaking, it does feel like this industry is is very hungry to invest in technology where it makes sense. Sure. Uh, which obviously we appreciate, but what we what we are sort of positioning ourselves as is kind of that next layer beyond just the applications that they use, and also for them to think a little bit more holistically about sort of the IT backend stuff that you don't necessarily see and touch every day. And I would Makes say sense. that coronavirus has kind of introduced that, that problem with the remote workforce, as Evan mentioned, but even historically, this industry has had an issue with keeping their data secure. When you offboard or terminate an employee, there's a lot of risk associated with that if you don't have some parameters in place to immediately wipe or shut down their computer access, their email access, and things like that. The worst, one of the worst things that could happen is for a, a terminated employee to take their book of business elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, take a few screenshots really quickly because they got fired and, and move on to a different company. So that's, you know, one of the, one of the things that's been happening for a long time that, sure. you know, we'd like to help mitigate the risk of as well. How, how would you guys do that? Just out of curiosity, as far as, is there like certain protocols that people would take for, cause I've heard of that, like where some, a rep will download, you know, the whole book of business and then just bounce to another freight company. And then just all of a sudden just take everything with them. And it's really a matter of like an NDA at that point, which doesn't really, it's not super enforceable. So is right. there certain protocols you could take to kind of help prevent that? Yeah. So we, we happen to believe that Google Workspaces, right? It used to be called G Suite is, is a good option for that just because it's really simple and, and accessible for companies of all sizes. But obviously there's access control at, you know, for most of the major email providers, right? So whether you're a Microsoft shop or a Google shop, it doesn't take a whole lot of setup to set up a structure in which you can better centrally manage access control, right? with the additional benefits of also increasing collaboration, right? So if you're on, let's just say Google Workspaces, most of us in our personal lives have probably used Gmail at some point or, or Google, right? To some sure. degree, different applications that are available. Google Workspaces actually is incredibly, it's funny, you know, I, I was a Microsoft guy for 11 years prior to uh, starting here at Stratus Grid. Now we work 100% fully distributed, right? So that is a that is a very technical way of saying we work from home if we want to or work from <laughs> A coffee shop or whatever, right? Sure. Or the, or the beach or anywhere where there's some sort of uh, internet connection, right? Wi-Fi. <laughs> and so the the collaboration that that can happen now, and and even in Microsoft, right, is actually kind of unprecedented, right? So you can literally work from anywhere nowadays if you set up culturally a willingness to to do so. And so that allows you to also lock down file types and folders, and you know provide access in a very I would say sensible and logical manner. And a lot of companies, if they're just getting started, maybe maybe they haven't hired the right IT person, right? Maybe they just don't necessarily have the person in, in that position yet. We really think that those companies, the small to medium-sized ones, that maybe they haven't yet invested a whole lot in IT, but they kind of think in the back of their mind, hey, maybe we should do this. We really want to talk to those because we really feel like the value of talking with an MSP is we can sort of make those strategic recommendations and you don't have to go all in on hiring an entire, you know, large team in the beginning. And sometimes with MSPs, uh, managed services providers, you, you really don't have to hire a full IT team, right? Like we are an extension of your business. We are your IT department with the additional benefit of we're sort of laser focused on learning everything we can about the business issues that take place in this industry. And so by having multiple customers in this industry, we're learning 
all of the pain points that every customer in this industry has on a consistent basis so we can actually develop better systems and better approaches to fixing those issues. Makes sense. What is an MSP for those yeah, that don't know? Managed services provider, yeah. So What's uh, like a good definition of that? I would say it's like outsourced IT, you know, kind of like a third-party logistics providers providing logistics services so people don't have to worry about it. Makes sense. I mean, an MSP is doing the same thing in IT. I'm trying to make three pit a term, but uh, it's not catching on. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you mentioned all... You mentioned also internet, uh, and a lot of people are working from home, like in distributed workforces. Is there anything that people could do if like they just live in a city with just crappy internet, if that is such a thing? Crappy internet is one thing. Uh, you know, crappy Wi-Fi setups is another. What we've run into a lot is companies working off of bring your own device, saying, okay, now that you're a remote workforce, you have to use your own laptop. Uh, that's not what we recommend for a couple of different reasons. Is A, you can't regulate the performance of that machine, and it also presents additional security risk, right? Mm -hmm. uh, focusing on maybe a hardware refresh for the remote workforce, as well as making recommendations on the IT, you know, Wi-Fi infrastructure side of things, and then making sure if there is a VPN, like if you're using a McLeod or something like that, having to connect via VPN just to get into your TMS systems, making sure that everything is set up on the back end of that to, uh, to make the the connection a little more streamlined. Yeah, so this is really, really out there, but I think it's worth mentioning. Sure. So have you heard of Starlink, you know, the uh, Elon Musk uh, internet connection, if you will? Um, I know I've, I know a lot of Elon's projects, but I actually haven't heard of Starlink. Go ahead and yeah, so tell Starlink me a little bit about it. Uh, distributed satellite system. They're launching them every day. I think just last week they launched some more, right? The idea with that is that the, the, the hope is that you could sort of have internet almost anywhere, right? which actually has some really interesting implications for transportation in general, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of times when trucks are traveling between point A to point B and they lose signal and things like that, the data stops flowing for a while until they sort of get to the next place. But with something like Starlink in place, which by the way, we actually have a beta kit on the way. So we applied for that a couple months ago and Tesla and, and SpaceX are big companies. So it might be a while before we actually get our test kit. But, <laughs> That's um, fun though. We're very excited Exciting. about that because it <laughs> It could have some serious implications from a from a technology standpoint for more remote locations. I would say too, though, the good news is that a lot of the people that we're talking about still live generally in areas where, hey, they might be limited by the types of internet uh, they can get, mm -hmm. um, but they probably have access to a decent internet connection. Sure. Um, if that's yeah. the case, and a lot of the applications are are cloud based applications, then generally speaking, their day to day operations is probably doable. Mm -hmm. um, we want people to just always be thinking about security at the same time. Sure. And then what's the deal with uh, VPNs? Like what is a VPN? I know it's basically when you're, you're logging in from like a different location, but what, what would be like the primary reason that someone would want to use a VPN and is it used quite often in our industry? I'm not sure if VPNs are super common. I would say for the companies that have invested a little bit more in their network infrastructure, they would have a VPN. So that's virtual private network. I'm the director of sales and marketing and Tommy's a sales manager, right? So we want to be, <laughs> we want to be up front and say, yeah, we've we been, we both, I've been in IT for about seven years now and Tommy's been in IT for about three or four. So it's important for us to sort of lay that out there. But, sure, fair. Um, virtual private networks allow a company to still uh, provide secure access to their network from a remote location, right? In its simplest form. Some companies uh, use it, right? And it's yeah. probably some sort of a cloud-based VPN. So it's sort of a login mm -hmm. situation. Some of them probably have somewhere when they when they log into their computer, it automatically logs them into the VPN. There's a lot of different solutions out there for VPN, but one of the chief complaints is performance suffers when you're connected to the. One um, of the major um, companies that I can think of that 
requires a lot of its users to log in through a VPN, just depending on the setup, is McLeod. Mm. So, so I would say yes, especially from the three PL side, it's pretty prevalent because there's a lot of McLeod users out there. Right? Is that is that what is that for though exactly? I know that like maybe if I was wanting to look at like the eBay of Japan, I might go on a VPN just to you know pretend like I'm in Japan to to look at that. But what what do you think they're trying to do within the cloud? Is it trying to kind of figure out what they're actually they're connected trying to do? to the server? Yeah, it's hosted on on site, right? Yeah. So so they have to be able to connect to this server on site mm. um, in order to get the data that they need and the access that they need. So if you work in Chattanooga, but your company's server is located in Texas, you've oh I got see. To- the VPN to connect to that, Got it. which is, yeah, which is part of the reason why we like, you know, moving things to AWS and keeping servers out of your closet. So you don't have to do things like that Sense. for a number of reasons. But so. And is AWS pretty much one of the, I, I know that AWS is pretty huge in cloud computing and just servers is, are they the largest player at the moment? Would you guys say they, out there? For, for cloud storage? Yes. Well, yeah. So they, uh, AWS, you know, Amazon web services, uh, is the largest cloud provider, and they have quite a bit of a head start in that regard. Second would be Azure, and then Google, and then multi, you know, multi players beyond those that are that are quite a bit smaller but specialized. What's interesting about Amazon Web Services, and you would think that these two companies would be a little more connected than they are, but Amazon obviously is a supply chain company, right? I mean, right. They, they started selling books, and now they sell literally everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I don't know, um, a lot of a lot of the listeners that, you know, listen to your podcast here have probably heard that Amazon is investing in startup trucking companies. So Amazon is obviously very interested in transportation and logistics and investment mm-hmm. uh, into that industry. We are an advanced AWS partner, which means very little to most people, but to us, it means we get <laughs> access to a lot of really high level technical resources. I can tell you that our focus on transportation and logistics is is of great interest to AWS. So Amazon and AWS collectively may may be separate companies, right? But but they're very much both in tune with trying to understand the needs of transportation and logistics. And and this is a bit of a soapbox, but we really feel like this is an industry that's just ripe for innovation and ripe for technology support. And it, and from our conversations that we've had for the past quarter, I would say it really feels like it's sort of a forgotten industry in, in a lot of ways on the sort of the IT infrastructure side of the house. Obviously, there's tons of, of, of interest in like blockchain and internet of things and AI and, and machine learning and things like that that are a bit more buzzword. We wanna make sure that people's infrastructure is taken care of and their networks are taken care of so that they're not as exposed from the security standpoint, but they're also prepared for this huge influx in data and in bandwidth, you know, sort of being taken over by this technology investment. We're really excited, honestly, just to have this conversation. We love- What's the deal with uh, AWS? Who would be like a current, like a, a good use case for you guys for someone switching over from, I guess, their own internal servers to AWS? Would that be kind of one use case? For sure, right? So anything that is on a server can be migrated to the cloud almost almost entirely, right? So the way that we would probably approach it is we would say, do you like investing in, in new servers and new storage devices and things like that every three to five years, right? Because that's sort of the industry recommendation is to, is to refresh your hardware every three to five years, right? Wow. Just, like, just like anything, it's not, it's not made forever, right? right. Sure. We're not uh, talking two or $300 here. You know, yes, it's, it's a thousands and thousands of dollars investment, cost right? to upgrade. So what we're saying is, you know, if it's a workload that can be migrated to AWS, and that is our cloud provider of choice, to be clear. There's a lot of opportunity. So we've got a lot of in-house experience. We've got dozens of engineers on our team. 
we actually even have an office in Spain. So we actually have the ability to, to do a lot of 24-7 uh, type support for certain things. If you can imagine it being in the cloud, it can probably go to the cloud. The other thing is storage, right? So backup and security, right? So if, if something were to happen to a server room where, where I don't know, a fire breaks out or something and, and, and it literally gets destroyed and it wasn't backed up somewhere, well, that data is gone, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's, it's sort of not protected, but if there's a backup scenario where maybe it's stored here, but then it's backed up somewhere else, at least you can kind of start over, right? There, there's, a, there's sort of a light at the end of the tunnel, right? When it comes to sort of getting back on your feet as a business. And so the cloud allows companies, um, even if they're sort of in a hybrid situation where maybe they have the cloud on-prem, but then they want to sort of operate everything else more lean in the cloud, it gives them the, the ability to do that. And AWS and the cloud in general just gives you so much room for, for innovation and expansion. I think some of the biggest use cases are growth, mm -hmm. uh, integration, and then uh, just you know expansion and innovation further with what you want uh, your products to do for you and for your company. Once you get them up into the cloud, they can be a little bit more malleable and you can integrate and innovate, iterate, excuse me, things together so that it moves at the speed of your business rather than you having to mold your business around a particular platform that you purchase, whether that's your TMS or anything else. You can design and you know kind of fix them to mold to your business. And that's kind of the beauty of it. And the scalability of that is is huge. You know, with with a server, like buying internal servers, you're paying for that upfront with hosting things in AWS and on the cloud, you can kind of scale as you need and, you know, you kind of pay for what you use. So if you're a small team, it's, you know, a little bit cheaper on the front end, but it has the ability to quickly ramp up if you needed to hire a, a huge workforce or anything like that, you know, as you're growing. Makes sense. And it also seems too that I would imagine AWS would be a lot safer than trying to manage these servers or servers on-prem by yourself? Because yeah. AWS yeah, so, has got a huge team, right? Yeah, so that's interesting. I'm glad you have that opinion. Not, not, everybody, <laughs> not everybody has that opinion, right? But if you think about it, you, you, you just said why, right? They have a humongous amount of resources dedicated to security, right? Mm -hmm. So the cloud is ubiquitous, right? We don't, we, the cloud is really, a, I mean, it's sort of like uh, a utility now, right? I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of businesses, big and small, use the cloud. And sometimes they, they don't even think about it as the cloud, but it is, right? Mm -hmm. and if our financial institutions generally, right, they, they, they lean in on the cloud all the time. If it involves money, right? It, it needs to be secure. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of the big players in the industry absolutely rely on AWS and Azure and Google and all the other providers in order to stay competitive, right? And, and optimize their costs. And I think that's key here is that the cloud allows you to optimize your costs it allows you to scale up and down depending on demand. And it also helps deal with the flexibility of seasonality, right? Maybe you have a very busy month and you don't miss a beat because the, the cloud scales up and down based on, or and the, the opposite could be true. You might have a slow month. Well, your costs can be reduced too, because you're not, you know, you're not having like the fixed asset that's in place in your, in your closet for a long time. So, but the security point, you know, again, AWS is a massive company they invest a lot of time and, and energy and resources into making sure that ridiculous amount of data that is in their data centers, right, is secure. I mean, it's an interesting mindset, right? And it makes sense why people are nervous about something when, when it feels like you're ask, accessing it via the internet. But at yeah. the end of the day, uh, it is very secure. You always want to keep things close to the chest and, you know, trust yourself most. But 
AWS is always going to be able to invest more money and more resources into this uh, security than you'll ever be able to do on your own. Um, and that's, that's really important. That's like a big takeaway is, you know, trust that they are, they've got this under control. This is what they do. They're the biggest in, in the business for a reason. And that's, that's the same for Azure and Google as well. If you own your own, Tommy and Evan's server farm is never going to be as well protected as, as a major cloud player. Yeah, it makes sense. I know that, uh, what's it called? Bezos invested some money in Convoy too. So there's a little bit of that going on. So you can tell that there, there's a lot of this. Everyone knows AWS is pretty amazing. So I'm with you. I think that if you have the money and you could afford to, to use it, you definitely should because you could scale quickly, easy, easily well, up and down. And, and let's focus on the money thing too, yeah. right? The barrier to entry is not nearly as large as you think, right? So our partnership with AWS is very tight and growing very rapidly. Some of the opportunities we get are not considered massive opportunities, right? They're not companies that are spending thousands of dollars. They might be spending hundreds of dollars in the cloud. Mm. Um, it, it gives you an infrastructure. It gives you a platform to build something, right? And you don't have to build it all at once, right? You can build it in phases. And so the amount of money that you spend in the cloud is not nearly as much as you think it is. And the other, the other aspect of this is that it becomes an operational expense not a capital expense. And so it's actually a lot easier to plan for in your budgeting process to mitigate a lot of risk financially. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, integrations as well. I know that the company I work for, we make transportation management software. And lately I've seen a lot of really cool integrations coming up. Like uh, Hubtran was one where they use a lot of process automation to basically, instead of a rep, but like an AP person going in and receiving like a bill with a, their software basically parses out the bill of lading, the proof of delivery, all this stuff, and then it shoots it into our TMS and it breaks up all these kind of different documents. So it takes away some of that busy work, but I know that you guys are probably working with a lot of different uh, technology vendors and just integration partners. What is there any integrations that you guys have seen lately that you guys are excited about? And can you help other, I guess, people that need help integrating these products into their systems with that particular thing? Yeah, so we... Um... We can pretty much connect anything that has an open API. Um, we can, our engineers figure that out on the back end and we can literally put anything together that we need. But again, that's part of the, the value of moving to the cloud is that it gives you that, that kind of blank canvas to do those types of things on. Um, so if you're needing to integrate your TMS with your CRMs, with your tracking systems, with your factoring, whatever, um, yes, all those things can, can be done and, and it's quite exciting to move everything into a single pane of glass rather than having six different tabs open and having to move to different things. And that's that's kind of our point, right? Like we're not saying that the transportation and logistics industry has forgot about technology entirely. No, I just feel like they kind of skipped a step. They started investing in SaaS platforms that get to an end result um, and, you know, help in some way to improve revenue and streamline, you know, operational day-to-day um, -day processes. But we kind of skipped over connecting all those things together, making sure our internet works the way it's supposed to, making sure we have good security when people leave and, when, and there's an easy process for onboarding new people. Okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so, so what I would add there too is that we're not approaching this question from, an, from a technical standpoint, right? But at sure. the end of the day, um, part of our process, you know, I'm sure other IT companies are similar in this way, but um, we, we like to do a detailed discovery, right? So a lot of times um, 
any application, no matter what industry it is, right? It's, it's meant to solve a problem, right? Like mm -hmm. it's chosen to solve a problem and you weigh the options and you compare what's out there and you try to choose the best one, right? And we're not actually saying that that's a bad idea. Um, but from a data standpoint, right? There's a, it's just like, I'm a CRM guy, right? So I, I'm, I, if I weren't doing this, I'd be doing something with CRM, selling it or helping somebody deploy it or something, right? Sure. So just like with any application, right? The, the data is only as good as the people using it, right? And the mm -hmm. accuracy of the input and things like that. And so that's kind of step one, right? Have a culture of data accuracy. The next step is to say, okay, so if we're, if we're storing information in this service and this service, and we know that there would be a business benefit for connecting and integrating these two things, then are we partnered with somebody who's willing to help us do that, right? Um, so, you know, are we partnered with an application that is willing to work with other vendors, right, in order to find how to solve business pain, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that is our approach. And so, you know, if, if you can dream it up, you know, and, and there's a, the, the technical access available, then we can find a way to integrate it. And, and so we're, we're sort of laser focused on being open to solving all types of business issues in that way. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think what's going to happen is the more and more conversations that we have about these integrations, maybe we'll productize it. Maybe there's benefit for us doing that. But in, in the short term, we really just want to find out how to solve these business problems and connect these systems and integrate them together. And what's interesting about this approach is that, you know, we've talked with very small third-party logistics providers. We've also talked with some of the bigger players in the industry and all of them so far in the past, I'd say four months, five months of discussions uh, have issues with their, their applications not necessarily being fully integrated together. Mm -hmm. um, so it's definitely an issue that that technology in a way has created, but in, in another way, it, it also has to fix, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Do you have any thoughts on that as well? Yeah, just... You kind of just need a partner that can handle that kind of heavy lifting um, without shutting down all of your systems at once to connect them together. So mm -hmm. that's how we operate. We, we figure out the connections on the back end and then go to deploy it so that the downtime is minimized because any moment you're down is when you're not making money. So Yeah. And Jeremy, one thing I wanted to add too is that um, Tommy and I both have worked for third-party logistics providers in the past, right? So We've seen this uh, on the ground level just as much as we do now, sort of in a totally different angle. And our CTO actually worked for a trucking, a transportation and logistics company. So they had, I think they were asset based on one side and they also had a third party logistics side. Uh, and he did IT for them for four or five years, right? Mm. So this is definitely something where we're approaching this as big supporters of the industry. I mean, you know, we left for our own reasons, right? But at the end of the day, we understand how important this industry is for everything, right? I mean, you literally look around any room that you're in and, and it was it was brought to you by a truck, right? Or, sure. or something. So, um, you know, plus our proximity to all the, all the companies that are doing big things in this industry, um, you know, we're super excited about trying to help people solve these problems. Um, and I just want to give that context that, you know, we're all in and we have direct experience with it and we really want, want it to be successful. No, that's cool. It's interesting too, because I think that I do, I do see that a lot of these integrations happening as well, because we, for example, have like a very good kind of TMS for like a workflow, 
but it's much easier for us to go integrate with someone like Hubtran rather than go out and build something like that. So I could imagine with any TMS or technology provider, they, they probably have like a core suite that they're really good at. And sometimes it makes sense to pull in other things to have like one glass of pain, as one of you mentioned earlier. So I, I do see that kind of continuing to kind of be a path for quite a while. And I'm sure that a lot of these, I guess, brokerages probably don't, you know, have the capability to, to wire up all these APIs necessarily. Right. And, and, and honestly, I mean, you're kind of telling, you're kind of saying it for it, Jeremy, like, like give us a chance to try to dig into your business problem, right? Like at right. the end of the day, we're not, we're not here to, to, to build a new TMS, right? We're, we're, we're here to take existing platforms and, and make sure they all communicate where it makes sense. Um, mm. and, and empower the people on the ground floor. Honestly, our main message right now is technology can help Companies of all sizes sell more <laughs> and, and technology is a way to empower salespeople to do that. I mean, if we know as salespeople, as people in marketing and sales, right, that a majority of a salesperson's day is spent on non-selling activities, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's a stat that you hear all the time, right? Sure. Um, what can we do as, a, as an IT partner to ensure that that gets flipped, yeah. right? So that a majority of, of, of a salesperson's time is actually spent selling because their existing systems, their existing, whatever it may be, is not uh, a barrier. It's actually an enhancer, right? And that's that's really what we're, what we're truly focused on um, and, and believe that technology is, is the avenue for that. Do you think a lot of people that are broker joiners might be just scared of technology? I mean, because I would imagine like we're, we're pretty deep into this conversation about APIs and making all these these computer systems talk to one another, but I, I can imagine that that probably freaks out some people that are business owners that aren't necessarily very technical. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And um, what they often do is try to hire someone um, internally to help solve all those problems, but then they quickly realize that that's not a one or two person job. Um, it needs to be handled by a, a team of experts. And that's kind of what we offer. But um, yeah, I think that a lot of the adversity is, uh, you know, kind of an idea that maybe there's going to be a lot of sticker shock that's going to be very expensive to invest in IT. But that's not necessarily true. Um, a lot of times you can partner with an MSP for the same as it would be to hire an, one internal IT resource. You know, a lot of those guys, depending on what market you're in, are anywhere from $70,000 to $100,000 a year just for a single person. Why not hire a team of dedicated experts that can work 24 seven, that you're never gonna have to pay benefits and they're never gonna take vacation time um, to handle you know, all that heavy lifting for you, kind of take the, the burden off of you of, of all your IT issues. And then you can, if you wanna do more hiring, hire more salespeople, hire more brokers, hire more drivers if you're a transportation company, um, hire people that are gonna contribute to revenue for the business. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. So, so Jeremy, what I would also say too, is that, you know, what we're doing for uh, IT, a lot of third-party logistics providers are doing for logistics, right? So mm -hmm. the, the companies that are afraid to invest in technology, A, if they talk to our CTO or they talk to anybody on our team, I don't think they're going to be scared by it. I think they're going to be excited by it sure. um, and, and the opportunities that it provides. B, I'm sure that a lot of their customers, right, have asked themselves the same question. 
like should we just buy our own truck and ship this ourselves <laughs> or should we trust a third-party logistics provider to do it for us fair. and totally at the end fair. Of the day, we we feel that both are legitimate questions to ask and you should be asking those questions uh but but we feel confident that that we're going to listen to the individual needs of the of the industry uh and we're going to come up with solutions that address those those issues Makes sense. No, I like it. it. It makes sense to me now, the more I talk to you guys, like why this, why your guys' company exists, because it, it makes sense to kind of have services available for people that need a little bit extra handholding for, for stuff that's complicated. Because I, I mean, at the end of the day, you want to run your brokerage. You don't want to necessarily be de- dealing with computer technology and programming, because that's not what <laughs> you probably went to school for. And if you did, you're probably owned a software company and not a brokerage. Correct. Yep, Absolutely. <laughs> But uh, let's talk a little bit about um, automation as well. What, what what do you guys do with automation? Is that, it, or what's your thoughts on automation in the market, I guess, as well? Is there anything that you're excited about or? Yeah, so uh, I was overhearing a discussion between our CTO, Chris Hurst, and um, we're hoping actually you can do a segment with him at some point in the future. Oh, absolutely, yeah. We'll I'd love, love to. Talk- um, he, um, he has a, an opinion and I think I align with his opinion. You know, let's talk about, the, the big elephant in the room, right? Which is like automated trucks, right? Because I'm sure that that uh, provides a lot of benefits uh, for for transportation companies and also it has some negatives, right? Um, sure. What we know is that there's a lot of infrastructure and, and I'm not talking about IT infrastructure, I'm talking about legitimately infrastructure, road infrastructure, et cetera, incorporated with technology that is required in order for that to happen, right? So the reality is that unless some major leap forward happens over the next five to 10 years, it's still gonna be a couple decades before we start seeing automated trucks, for example, everywhere all around the world. Um, now, from, from a data standpoint though, there's a lot of automation that takes place every single day, right? Sure. So AWS would be the, again, the, the platform that we would use to create opportunities to create data automation. And, and the, the end goal of that is to make the business operates more smoothly, right? Um, so, so that's happening now, right? And that's been happening for years. Um, automation, you know, I think, uh, obviously anything that involves, you know, moving things from point A to point B faster would be affected by automation sure. in, in a positive way. Um, from a technology standpoint, obviously, you know, I, I always hesitate to get too deep into technology, but it is exciting to think that, you know, everything's just going to you're going to be able to hit the easy button and everything's just going to go exactly as you expect it to. Right. But the reality is if data is involved and if, if you have robots are involved or anything like that, they're, they're man-made so they can, they can break too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the important thing to be thinking about is that the IT infrastructure is still a critical piece uh, when it comes to automation. And if you're not setting yourself up to, um, sort of factor that into your daily operations, then it, it really doesn't matter what you're trying to automate because it's, again, automation, TM, you know, any TMS, CRM, et cetera, any application really uh, is going to be enhanced by the IT infrastructure that's in place. Makes sense. Any thoughts on your end? Yeah, just want to be, you know, as, as a salesperson myself and, and someone that comes from the logistics industry, being able to automate my process in any way uh, is just going to make me a better salesperson. Um, be able to be on the phones more, you know, building those relationships um, more often, things like that. So, you know, kind of back to the single pane of glass, bringing things together, utilizing the resources to automate all of your processes together, 
uh, it's just going to be, you know, speed of business, man. It's um, very, very important to not be bogged down by process, you know, just process after process, um, new platform after new platform, scrolling to different tabs. If you can automate all those things, bring all those things together, it just speeds along the entire thing, right? Yeah, yeah it makes sense. I was actually, go ahead, sorry. No, no, I, I was saying, I, I know that you guys are using HubTran and not, or not HubTran, uh, HubSpot, and I'm a big fan of Outreach.io and SalesLoft. I use Outreach.io myself, but I, I feel like as a sales rep, you could literally do 10 times the amount of work if you're using one of these programs because it kind of, it, you create all those emails on the back end instead of having yeah. me to figure out when I'm going to send this email, it does everything, you know, like a brain, like a, a brain for getting meetings. So yeah. I don't I don't understand like why more people don't use stuff like this because it just makes I mean, you any of my efficient. customers are listening. I I never use template emails. <laughs> a specific one to you that I individualized. But uh, for all my sales guys, all my, um, no, all all these yeah, it just makes life simpler, right? If if you can you know you you collaborate with your marketing guy on a good message, um, you put that in the template. Um, and then you can automate, you know, your phone calls from there as well, keeping everything um, in, in that pain and then just, you know, running with it. Yeah, I could I could talk on that for literally for hours. But <laughs> the, the thing about CRM, again, you know, um, my soapbox is only as good as the data going in. Right. Um, but but the thing about and this is not a plug for HubSpot at all, although admittedly, I do love HubSpot. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if they're listening, you know, uh, Mark yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll take a free launch or something. Um, the, the fact that it, that it instills in the user experience, the automation, right. And it gives you the option of doing that. Right. Um, I really highly suggest for any salespeople out there who are like, you know, I've been meaning to use that feature, you know, and I just haven't really gotten around to it and everything else. Um, I would really challenge any salesperson out there who has access to, uh, some sort of automation tools with sales to just try it with a subset of yeah. their, of their outreach list, um, you know, for a month or two and just, just get used to the idea of it because it honestly does drastically, drastically improve, you know, cause I do outreach too. I do sales. I'm, I'm the, the director of sales and marketing. Right. So um, absolutely. I want to take advantage of every tool that I have available to me as a salesperson again, because I want to be spending the time, where I'm focused on selling, on actually selling, on having conversations, you know, bringing in a technical resource and saying, what, what are your real business issues, right? Like, what are you actually working through? Not worried about, you know, the technology platform and just like take advantage of what you're already using. And, and for the operation side or the financial side, if you're, if you're spending money on an application, like use every part of it, right? Like don't, don't, don't waste that opportunity. And if it still doesn't address kind of like your business need, then, then you should really start to kind of think through like, maybe this isn't the right fit currently. Right. So um, maybe that's just like free advice from Evan, but like, <laughs> um, you know, you use the automation tools that already exist in your applications Sure. before you, before you say automation doesn't work. Right. I mean, it, it definitely does. And it definitely saves time and, and, you know, makes things better. It's totally fair because I do feel like a lot of the times like people will trash certain things before they've even tried them. You know, they're like, oh, that tool sucks. And I'm like, oh, using it? And they're like, nope, never tried it. And it's like, well, yeah. how do you know if it works or not? Yeah. And, yeah. You yeah. Get, you get that with, uh, with you know, your salespeople a lot. 
you know, have you put the data in CRM? Well, no, it just takes too much time. <laughs> that really does. <laughs> you're, yeah. keep, you're keeping things on a notepad. I can see you writing them down. Uh, yeah, go ahead and put them in CRM. We, we love salespeople. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, at the end of the day, I feel like everyone's a sales person, but we were actually looking at a tool recently too. It was called um, Lead Forensics. And they had this interesting thing. It was kind of like Google Analytics. They would basically tell you who's been like on your website, what pages they've gone to, but it was a lot nicer than going into a Google, Google Analytics. They had a nice little dashboard for, you know, you could see who's been kind of like looking at your site in the in the background, kind of a, a black box, if you will. And I thought that was interesting because there's it's only like 2% of people that actually fill out a form. So it'd be interesting to to capture some of these people that are kind of lurking in the shadows, if you will. Yeah, I mean, that's the other part of, of business today is that, you know, with the internet, uh, we can uh, look up anything we want to look up on on the internet, right? And um, the the positives is that we're empowered by information. The negative is that you're you're overloaded with information, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of misinformation out there too. Sure. Um, and so you know it, it's it's interesting. You know uh, they say that 70% or so of the people that are coming to your website have already kind of decided whether or not they think they could work with you, right? Um, and, and that's a whole nother topic of conversation. I can also talk about that all day. No, that's interesting though. Cause I mean, think about how much more opportunity that's sitting there that we haven't really figured out a way to really necessarily capture. So, I mean, there, it's almost just like, it's kind of low hanging fruit if you think about it, but it's just, yeah. it's a matter of time to figure out, but yeah, they're already kind of looking at kind of courting you or going into business with you, but it's just a matter of like, Hey, let's have that conversation. For sure. Yeah, but um, I appreciate your guys' time. Uh, how, do, how do people reach out? If the, And really quick, you guys are going on Freight Waves as well, right? Next yeah, we'll week, is it? We'll be on the it? Summit next uh, Thursday, the 24th. Wednesday, the 24th, yeah. <laughs> Wednesday, Wednesday, the 24th. What, what's the deal with that for the people that are listening? So right now, the plan is around 225 for us to be able to put that coffee down. Uh -huh. uh, talking about this message, right? The sort of the focus on how do we empower sales through technology and through IT infrastructure, to sell more, right? Um, and so that's done. We're also a sponsor of the event, so you can check us out at our virtual booth, um, and 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 just we'll, we'll have some different information about kind of our approach. But at the end of the day, uh, you can always reach out to us on uh, online sales at uh, stratusgrid.com, and uh, you know interact with us on on LinkedIn and Twitter. Like those are our two main social media channels, and yeah. especially LinkedIn. Like we love LinkedIn, and LinkedIn's still, amazing. We still think it's a viable tool, right? I mean, we sort of met via LinkedIn, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, those are kind of the main platforms. And then um, check out our website, stratusgrid.com, and just kind of peruse. We've got a dedicated page for transportation and logistics. And um, honestly, we just try to keep it really simple and, and take a phased approach and sort of meet you where you are when it comes to technology. And um, we're not here to kind of shoot down what you've already done, right? But we're trying mm -hmm. to say, look, this is how you pivot kind of to the 21st century when it comes to embracing the cloud and understanding that security should always be kind of at the forefront. Yeah. I'm, I like that message though, because I think it's better to augment on what someone already has versus try to change what they have. It's not, it's your message is like, hey, what you have might be working, but let me kind of help you improve it, which I could appreciate. Absolutely. Uh, go ahead. All I was gonna say is that uh, if we got any golfers listening, uh, we are giving away a Scotty camera putter and a range finder at the uh, 3PL Summit. 
you can find uh, the link to that on both our webpage, uh, the transportation uh, portion of our webpage, and then on our LinkedIn as well. I've posted about it a couple of times and Evan has on our main page. So, yep. Very cool. We'll have to get a beer at uh, F3 if that event goes down in November. For sure. And that's in our backyard, right? So we're yeah, super stoked about that event. Yeah, we're, we're excited for that one as well. But um, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for sticking around to the end. We appreciate the support as always. I really enjoyed speaking with Evan and Tommy over at Stratus Grid. If you are in need of help of any sort of technical services, definitely hit them up because they're in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Freight Alley, and they've all worked at freight brokerages and understand the industry really well. So we enjoyed talking with them. Thanks so much. Bye.